0: When Jesus uh, drew near to Bethphage and Bethany at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of the disciples saying, go into the village in front of you where on entering you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever yet sat. Untie it and bring it here. And they brought it to Jesus and throwing their cl- the, the dot, dot, dot is just him explaining what you're supposed to tell people when you take their colt. Um, which would be an awkward scene. Um, I'm skipping that. You can read it. Um, and they brought this colt to Jesus, and throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. As he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord? Rebuke them, Jesus. You know that isn't true. Is this feedbacking a lot? I'm hearing a big echo. Let me turn this thing down a little bit. Thank you for saying yes. Is that better? Sounds so clear now. Great. Um, So blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. That's what people are saying. Rebuke them, Jesus. You know that's not true. You're not the Christ. You're not the Messiah. You're not a king. You're just a man. Don't let him say these things about you. This is the voice of the Pharisees. Blessed is the King, Jesus. Rebuke them, Jesus. This is the voice of the Pharisees. And I think perhaps that this echoes some of our own voices as well. Let's pray. Father, I pray tonight as we talk about your son, the King, the King of kings and Lord of lords that we would know, that your spirit would help everybody in this room know that as you stand in victory, sin has lost its grip on all of us. And that there is no power of hell and no scheme of man that could ever take any one of yours out of your hand. Give us fresh vision uh, from the mouth of your son. Give us hope. Let us have a glimpse or a taste of victory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. When y'all think of Jesus, what comes to mind? Like, really, like for some of you, it may help to close your eyes. I really want you to try and picture Jesus. I know none of you have seen him, but you've heard ideas, you have impressions, you'd have words and phrases. What comes to mind? Humble. Humble. Yeah. What else? Jesus standing with open arms, yeah, what else? The wisest, man to ever walk the, earth. the wisest man to ever walk the earth, absolutely. Daniel, will you throw up the very first image? This is the very first image when you type in Jesus on Google. <laughs> I'm guessing that's the most popular one, I don't know. Um, I'm gonna let that, go to the next one. This is better. But this is one of the most famous, like, modern, I don't know when it was done, but I've seen this at tons of places, right? This is a really famous painting. I, is this, or the one before it, when you picture Jesus, is this not, in our culture, some of what you think about? Forget the fact that the, the news lady on Fox said that Jesus was a white guy, okay? Forget that for just a second, because he wasn't a white guy. Um, but... Go, go to the next one. I think for, for many of us, this the next one is what we think about, right? Make him Egyptian, okay, if you need to. But still, is this not mostly what we think about when we think about Jesus? Open arms, pale, fair, innocent skin, suffering, looking to heaven with a crown of thorns on his head. I really think you can leave this up there for a bit, actually. Uh, go, go to the next one, actually. I think a lot of us picture this next one. But listen to this, when I, I, I actually was, was doing this just a second ago, and right now I'm, I was praying to the high king of the universe, and in his name and under his authority I'm speaking to you right now, his authority. Go back to the one right before this, though, because I actually think that's probably maybe one of the more common things that we think, at Christmas, of course, we think about the baby, but um, eight pounds, six ounces, you know, but... Um, <laughs> But I think this is what many of us are used to when we hear about Jesus, right? Like he's kind, humble, suffering, vulnerable. This is what we've learned to expect. This is what we're taught. I don't think this is what the Jewish people were expecting. This is not what the Pharisees were expecting. It's not what the disciples and the crowds were expecting. What they remembered was a God who promised A descendant from the tribe of Judah who would be called a lion would rule and command the obedience of all people. Genesis 49. They remembered that. They knew that King David had come from the tribe of Judah and that God promised that a descendant of his would sit on the throne and reign forever and ever. 2 Samuel 7. This is what they remembered. God had promised the Israelites, the Jewish people, that they would dwell securely in their land, that he would conquer the enemies of Israel, that they would live in peace. And so they were waiting for their king. That's what they were expecting. And they called him Messiah in Hebrew, or Christ in Greek, Jesus Christ. Matthew often just calls him the Christ. And the Christ did this, and the Christ said that. And if if you've never heard, uh, that's not his last name, right? I mean, it's a title. We don't have any idea what his last name was, his family name. Jesus, the Christ. You are the Christ, says Peter. In one famous interaction, Jesus says, who do you say I am? Some say this, some say that, but who do you say I am, Peter? He says, you are the Christ. We should hear If we were familiar with the stories, we would hear in that a a robust, um, multi-layered image. We would hear something like when when Peter says, you are the Christ, the, the Israelites would have heard something like, you're the promised one, the lion from the tribe of Judah, the root of Jesse, the son of David, the wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. You're the one we've been waiting for to lead us into new life. All of that was contained in the Israelite notion of Christ and Messiah by this point. And Jesus embraces that, and he calls it his own. He identifies himself as the Christ in a number of places, and the people were waiting for this. In Luke chapter 3, Uh, There's this scene where John the Baptist is doing his thing, baptizing, Um, and people, uh, he had more things, I'm sure, but um, the people around him were, uh, Luke records, um, that they were so curious in watching him, they were expectant, he says, and that in their hearts, they were pondering this question and wondering, is he the Christ? Is he the Messiah? And so they ask him, and he says, no, 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 no. This is in Luke chapter three. He says, no, the the one who's coming, the Messiah is greater than I and he's gonna baptize you with the Holy Spirit, not with water. And and, and a couple chapters later, John the Baptist actually sends disciples to Jesus and says, you are the Messiah, right? These people were expectant and waiting for a king to free them from the Roman Empire, to restore their land, to bring glory back to the people of Israel. To establish the throne of David forever. That's what they were waiting for. To give you an idea, I I think, of what they might have been expecting, I'm actually going to move forward. And I want you guys to listen to this passage from Revelation, and it is intense. This is from Revelation. Will you put that next uh, passage up? This is Revelation 19. Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, This imagery comes years after Jesus' death and resurrection. And it's something we still look forward to. But this is the kind of image that they would have had in mind for the coming king. Much of the imagery you find in Revelation is actually just hijacked from Ezekiel and Isaiah and and Jeremiah, other prophets. This is what they would have had in mind, something like this. This is what they were expecting. If I had asked them before Jesus came in to Jerusalem Close your eyes and picture what the Messiah is going to look like. They wouldn't have had the pictures that we threw up. What do you think the king is going to be like? What's the king going to look like when God sends his anointed one? They wouldn't have thought baby in a manger. They were waiting for the Christ to thunder in on a war horse. And here's Jesus sauntering into town on a jackass. You can imagine the Pharisees going, Jesus, rebuke them. And the crowd cries, blessed is the king. Reject them, Jesus. You're not the king. You were born in a barn. You're a common man's son. You're lowly and meek. You're not the king. And his response is, if they keep quiet, the rocks will cry it out. They couldn't fathom that the king of kings and lord of lords was humble. They didn't understand that the lion of the tribe of Judah was also a lamb being led to his death on our behalf. They didn't understand that the first shall be last. Who would? And so they missed it, and they were looking for something else. They are calling you, Jesus, a king, and that can't be true. Rebuke them. For us, I think the opposite is true. We put one of those pictures up again. I don't care which one, just put any of them up. That's great. Maybe that's been up the whole time, I don't know. Uh, (laughs) So good job. Uh, Many of us have grown up in traditions where we've been taught about Jesus, many of us have. We've been taught about Jesus as a lamb. We've been taught about him being humble and lowly and meek. But we don't really understand that he's also a lion. We know that he's humble, but we don't understand power and might. Many of us are more comfortable with him in a pig's trough, really, especially at Christmas, than any of us would ever be with him on a war horse. We don't understand that the last shall be first. And I know many of us are uncomfortable with the idea of power and kingship because we distrust it. We distrust power. We distrust authority, something like that. And so we miss it. And we look for something else. They're calling you the king, Jesus. Reject that. You're just a teacher or a prophet or a good example for us, right? You you wouldn't dare claim to be king over all creation, Jesus. Would you? Let me put our differences this way. Um, His disciples uh, wanted to sit down at the right hand of God We would be happy just to get scraps from God's table. I know the way y'all talk, most of you. The, the, The disciples wanted Jesus to rain down fire and eradicate evil from the planet. And we just want him to help us find a date. It's a good thing, right? I mean, it's a good thing. It's very different though. They wanted to crown him king and we try to be content with a personal savior. But he is both the lion and the lamb. This is the one that rips us out of the bowels of death. He is our leader. He is our victor. The personal Lord and savior that we talk about in our culture. He is the one whose thigh bears the name king of kings and Lord of lords. When you pray at night, or before meals if you pray do you pray to this one who says that in righteousness he's going to judge and make war do you know that that's the one you pray to the one who will have victory over evil and all creation and makes us his ambassadors look i, I jesus cares about your own righteousness he cares more than you do, he cares deeply about the personal struggles that you have and the sin patterns and the sins that are in, in your life and have, have this grip on you. He can free you from those and help you in those. I mean, he can make you clean. But there is so much more to the story. <laughs> There's an 80-year-old man um, in my life uh, um, that always talks, he's a friend and mentor of mine, he always talks about this thing he calls the God hunt. The God hunt. Seriously, he brings it up like almost every conversation we have. Um, he'll, He'll slam his hands on the table and he'll point at me and he'll say, we are all on a God hunt, Jason. Don't you ever forget that. And I go, okay, I will. I won't forget it, you know? Um and at first that was an awkward thing for me to understand and hear, it's such strange language for me. But he says it so much that I've had to think about it and I think it's true, we all are hunting for God. And one of the things that we all want to find when we find God is that he is a good and righteous and powerful king. One that is fighting for peace and justice in our world. Not one that we have to convince to pay attention. We want one that will bring security and stability to our hearts and our lives and our cultures. We want a king who will fight for us when we're hurt and find us when we're lost. We're hunting for that. And I think there are so many implications for our lives, for the way we talk about following Jesus in our culture when it comes to knowing Jesus in this way as a king. And my hope tonight really is that you would be set off on a hunt for the lion of the tribe of Judah, that you would seek him and you would find him, that you would be found by him. He did not come just to forgive us of our sins. He did that. He also came to bring us out of the dominion of darkness and deliver us into the kingdom of God, to restore and redeem all of creation and to make it new to tip the scales of injustice and make all things right so that at one point we would look back over all of history and have nothing else to say, but God, you are good. This is our king, the king of kings. As I was thinking through this tonight, um, I- I'm mindful of the Islamic State, honestly. If y'all are reading the news or in the news, you probably should be you're at a public university. Uh, it's a good thing to read the news, probably. But I'm mindful of the Islamic State right now in the Middle East and how much they, um, they might use some of the same language that we find in our king's mouth about war, about cultures, about evil. And I think about how much this isn't the way of Jesus. And it breaks my heart. Um, it should break all of our hearts. Jesus will come in power, he will. Um, And when he sits upon that horse, nothing will stop him. He spoke the universe into existence. What do we think we're gonna do? But I praise God, and I want you to hear this really well. I praise God that he comes on a donkey before he comes on a horse. That he comes first to make friends of his enemies. That he comes in humility before he comes in glory. And we as his disciples, <laughs> we're to leave judgment and war up to him. That is not our domain. One day, the promise is from the mouth of the king that we will live as triumphant as lions. One day we will. For now, we live like lambs. Like the great high king who was led like a lamb to the slaughter, we lay down our lives and suffer for the sake of others, making friends of enemies. In the same way, our great leader, the author of all creation, lived his life for us. And we look to him to come still in power. We do, because he's not just a lamb. He's also a lion, the mighty lion of Judah. Jesus is not just a teacher or a prophet or a good example. He's a self-proclaimed king. From his own mouth, he professes to be the blessed king of all creation, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. If you have never known him like this, friends, this is Jesus. He's your king. And everything else that goes with having a king Let us rejoice that the high king who will come in power is also the one who would call us friends. Let's pray. Father, uh, the idea of kingship in our culture is just so foreign. We hardly even flinch anymore when we call ourselves consumers. We're so far from citizens or servants or anything like that. But Lord, I know um, that every single person in this room, that all of us, that we need, we need a king. We need you not just to suffer and die for our sins, We need you to rise and lead on. We need to know and trust that you care more about this world than we ever have. We need to know and trust that you will protect and that you have peace on your mind and that you will work it out because you're strong enough to do it. I ask that your spirit would help our unbelief and that you would begin to awaken the hearts and minds of everybody in this room, that you are the high king of all creation. And would you help us to believe that because of what we know about you, we can go boldly into your throne room and that you call us friends. And how amazing is it that the king calls us friends? And the story goes on, Lord that you would have us reign with you as well. That's crazy. Holy Spirit, help us sing praises to the King.